welcome to the First Timers Podcast Show, where we offer insight, tips, and advice for first time or long time home buyers, sellers, and investors. I'm your host, Michael Timpani, Michael T. Demeni, personal home consultant, builder, investor, homeowner, and licensed real estate agent. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Google Play and SoundCloud, and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at First Timers Podcast Show. So today we are going to learn about what the standard FHA and conventional mortgages are and what's the process for getting approved for them. And I have this great guest in front of me, Pete. Peter Riley, Pete from Eaton Town, as I know him, <laughs> he is a mortgage loan originator with Patriot Mortgage out of Eaton Town, New Jersey. You can follow him right now on Instagram, even though he doesn't know his Instagram handle. I do Peter Riley M T G S. That's P E T E R R E I L L Y M T G S on Instagram, and he's going to help us learn about the FHA and conventional mortgages and what's the whole process and uh, some Q&A with that. So, Pete, thank you for coming on the show. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Mike. Appreciate you being here. So I want to know first a little bit about you, about what you were doing before you became an, a mortgage loan originator and what brought you to the Patriot Mortgage team. Okay. Um, yeah, first and foremost, thanks so much for an opportunity here, Mike. Um, prior to the mortgage industry, uh, it's a pretty funny story. I was working um, as a bartender and a server, and um, a guy would come in who's now my boss, and his son had autism, and I would always be really nice to his son, not knowing who this guy was. I always knew that there was going to be an opportunity for me somehow out of the bar restaurant industry. I knew I didn't want to do it forever. I just didn't know where it was going to be. And uh, my boss now, uh, this was back maybe five, six years ago, um, basically said, why don't you give it a shot? And um, it wasn't necessarily all that easy in the beginning. I went through some struggles, but I stayed at it and stayed the course and just kind of asked questions and learned over time. And they kind of threw me into the wolves a little bit before I was actually licensed. They had me talking to people, kind of getting new clients, doing different things where um, some of the other bigger companies out there wouldn't necessarily have allowed me to kind of get right in there and start doing things as, yeah. as quickly as they did. Um, but, you know, it's basically like treat others the way you want to be treated. And I was nice to this boy for no other reason besides the fact that he was a nice kid. And um, I, I still keep in contact with him. I have a great relationship with his dad now. And that that's is pretty much awesome. how it started. You know, it, it's so funny. A friend of mine, she helped this guy that was broken down on a bicycle in Colorado. Wow. And he ended up having a startup company that she ended up working with and that startup company got sold off or whatever. But it was all from pulling over to help this random dude on the side of the road See that? that led to her getting becoming uh, part of this startup company and, and starting a whole new career out in Colorado where uh, That's she wasn't from. So I always say you never know who you're going to run into. Yep. Be nice to everybody. Number one, you don't know what, what they're going through in life. You know, everyone's got something going on. For sure. So if you have the ability to smile and make their day maybe a little better, you have no idea where that opportunity could open up and, and lead. And now, so now true. look at you. Like so it true, led to man. you into a whole a whole new career. Really did. That you definitely didn't have nope. you know, set out in the beginning. Absolutely not. It, so what was that conversation like, you know, from 
like I guess he sees you at the, at the restaurant to, mm -hmm. hey, I think you'd be good in, in mortgages. Um, it was more just like over time, you know, he would see me interacting with my tables, see me interacting with them, um, knew that I had good people skills, um, good energy, maybe it was. Um, I'm not really sure exactly what he saw in me. I think it was more the way I treated his son. He really, and I didn't even know him. And he's like, wow, you know, if that's how you treat my kid, then, you know, it's pretty much, is that how you treat everybody? I'm like, I mean, for the most part, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I guess that was kind of how it started. That is all. I'm a, I, the old adage, doing the right thing is always the right thing. And, True. and that just shows. That is awesome. It, and it's great. It's great that you, we're kind of like uh, absorbed into the field, yeah. You know, and, I definitely was. And it, and and this is one of the owners, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I mean, you can't be absorbed by anybody better. You know, it's not just a random you know, mortgage guy that's like, hey, I'm trying to build a team. Yeah. Come with me. It's it's someone that has true vested interest in the company. So I mean, I think it says a lot for you Appreciate about that. you that this owner was like, hey, I want this guy to be on my team, mm -hmm. and and you know. In this world of big box agencies, it's easy yeah. to, to see people that are just recruiting just to recruit. Oh, yeah. And I think when, when it's the owner recruiting, it holds a lot more weight. So I, I think you should be proud of yourself. I appreciate that. Things have really come full circle since then, too, because since I have been in the industry, since I've been with Patriot, um, that same guy that recruited me has gotten sick and he hasn't been around and uh, actually trust me enough to where I've been taking on a lot of his responsibilities, all of his clients. Um, so, I mean, it's definitely been, you know, a blessing in disguise for me and my family, but also kind of a humbling experience to have somebody who's been an owner of a company for about 30 years now trust me with his day-to-day you know, activity. So, yeah, well, you know what, as an owner, you know, he probably, you know, he, he knows that his vision and in his heart, how he wants to treat people, you know, obviously he sees it in you. So, mm -hmm. uh, that, like I said, that speaks volumes that he trusts you enough to, to carry on when he's not able to be there. So For sure. I, I think uh, you should be proud of that. Appreciate that, Mike. Well, let's get into, um, you know, to the FHA, the conventional mortgages. I mean, there's so many products out there. You could talk mm -hmm. for days and days and days. Yeah. I think this is the one place that most people start mm -hmm. um, when they're looking to to get pre-approved. Uh, well, they don't even know what they're looking for. Right. You know, I say, hey, here, give Pete a call. And then they're like, okay, I don't even know. I just want to buy a house. I think I could afford it. Right. I went online. I did a mortgage <laughs> calculator, and it says I could afford $4 million. You know, yeah. and I plant tulips. Yeah, so, exactly. Uh, the HGTV yeah, version. Yeah, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my wife, she uh, she harvests butterflies, and I run a non-for-profit. You know? Harvest yeah, butterflies. it's crazy. But okay. – Mm -hmm. The the FHA and the conventional mortgage <clears throat> products, they're pretty much the two vanilla baseline. Like this is where you're coming in. Yep. So give us a little information about what an FHA mortgage is and what a conventional mortgage is and, and maybe what's the difference between the two. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the, the, the first thing about making a decision on either one of those is really driven by your credit score. Um, everybody wants to go right away into conventional, but they don't necessarily have all of their ducks in a row. Um, so when I say ducks in a row, I mean your credit score being 
high sixes, low 700s, which is above average to great um, as far as credit score. And then down payment would be the other thing. Um, down payment sizes aren't really as important anymore for conventional. A lot of people want to avoid paying mortgage insurance. The biggest thing is that mortgage insurance for an FHA loan costs more than the mortgage insurance would be for a conventional loan. But again, if somebody's close to where they, I can maybe get them FHA or a conventional loan opposed to an FHA, I'm going to try to do everything I can to get that score slightly increased to get them in that conventional ballpark because it does save them more money in the end if they go conventional. But FHA sometimes has a bit of a black eye in a sense of people are like, oh, I definitely don't want an FHA loan. But you know what? It's vague because FHA allows some people to have a score upwards to high 500s. But that doesn't mean somebody with a a mid 600 score um, can't walk in the door, get that FHA loan, and then work on the scores down the road or work on the scores before the process and end up in that conventional loan. So an FHA loan is a great way to get started, um, but the goal is to really, really focus on that credit score and then put yourself in that conventional criteria. Um, so you were saying the FHA, you could be in the 500s? Yeah. Um, the minimum... The, the lenders have gotten a little more flexible um, over the last five years. Um, but, yeah, scores in the 500s would be sufficient for an FHA loan. Wow. But what comes with that is upfront mortgage insurance premium, which is built into every FHA loan, and a higher monthly multiplier for um, your mortgage insurance. So you really need to kind of see the numbers And see where the difference is because an FHA loan has more intriguing rates, but what's associated with that intriguing rate is higher mortgage insurance. Conventional has slightly higher rates, but lower mortgage insurance. So your monthly payment with a higher rate on conventional is going to be lower than your payment would be FHA with a lower rate. So you really kind of have to look into it. And Plus, they they both have... uh, the mortgage insurance end of it, now that mm-hmm. we're talking about it, FHA stays with the life of the loan. Exactly. Or conventional drops off. Exactly. At 20% equity. Exactly. Right? Or as it's amort, amor- I can't even say Exactly. Amortization schedule. Amor- yep. Yeah. Like whatever. Wherever they, they're saying like 20% is, it's going to drop off unless exactly. you see that the values went up and then you could ask for them to reappraise, right? Exactly. And that's huge. Even if it's only, you know, $100, $150 that you're spending each month on that mortgage insurance. No one's going to be knocking on your door saying, hey, it's time to refi, you know. So if you have an FHA loan, you want to look to to possibly refi, but then a few things need to be in your favor. The value needs to be there. Um, so that's kind of one of the reasons why I try to tell a lot of people to try to make their monthly mortgage payment on a biweekly basis because yeah. what that actually does is streamlines when um, you can drop off that mortgage insurance. Sure. Sure. So between the two, we're saying you could be in the 500s with an FHA. The conventional, you should be in the sixes, right? Mm-hmm. Mid sixes, high, you know. Yeah, high to mid. Mm-hmm. Um, and that all affects 
how they figure out your mortgage insurance for both products? Is your credit score a multiplier or, or you know something that they equate into how your mortgage insurance is is uh, figured? Yep, the main factor for mortgage insurance is credit score. Okay. Um, FHA has a standard multiplier where it's based off of your credit score and um, that one percentage, the actual percentage um, that it would cost each month for the mortgage insurance. Now, conventional is based off the same thing. It has um, it's it's for your credit score is the number one thing, and then but the conventional side it's always going to be slightly lower. Yeah. For as far as how much it costs per month. Wow. Now, between the two, mm-hmm. FHA starts at what, 3.5% down? Mm-hmm. Where conventional starts at what? Conventional actually has a product for 3% down. So you could actually get a conventional product with less down payment yep. than an FHA. Yep. FHA always was the less of the it two. was they just came out with this not too long ago i mean it's probably been over like the last two years i would say yeah. but it was there it was conventional's way of competing with fha because everybody wanted to come in with that three and a half percent or the minimum whatever it may be and at the time conventional was five percent so it's like you know if you're talking three hundred thousand dollar home that additional one and a half percent can add up sure you know um so that was conventional's way of competing in the beginning when they first came out with those products it was it was was okay you could put three percent down but your credit scores needed to be basically perfect now they've gotten a little more lenient but if if you want to come to the table with three percent you need to have a solid credit score so probably closer to that 700 mark okay to even make it possible Uh um for the three percent for the three percent down yeah one of the first ones i tried to do about a year and a half ago my client had a 685 and he wanted to come with the three and a half percent and or um I'm sorry, 3%. And um, he was actually denied because of his credit score. Wow. Now, if I tried to put that same scenario in, it would probably get through. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so, so, all right. So let, let's break down also. An FHA mortgage is a federal-backed mortgage, right. correct? Mm-hmm. Where a conventional is basically a regular institutional bank purchased mortgage, right? Yes. But um, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are government sponsored entities. Yeah. So they're on both they're they're on both seems, ends of the deal. It seems yeah. like they are. Yeah, yeah. You know, um but yeah, the, the I mean the biggest thing is that the FHA you're paying that upfront mortgage insurance premium. The calculator is 1.75% of the loan amount, which each time it's usually like a few thousand. Sure. That gets financed so it gets added to your loan so now if you're trying to figure out the difference on on which one is right for you and now you're adding four thousand dollars to your loan amount it might not seem like a lot but over 30 years it's a lot um but fha is a great way to get in you know it gets you in the door they allow you to stretch your monthly debts which i disagree with i think it should be the other way i think they should let people with better scores and more maybe financial um, stability, stability we'll say, yeah. allow them to stretch. Don't allow the people who kind of, okay, have lower scores, income. They're like, already pretty stretched. They're already stretched. Yeah. And now you're going to say, okay, yeah, keep stretching. So, so they, that going to end? So the FHA know? allows a higher debt-to-income ratio yep. than conventional. Than conventional. How much, how, what's the difference between the two? 
there's what the book says and what the real life is. Um, so I was saying I went through some struggles in the beginning. I had a hard time because I was dealing with day-to-day mortgage scenarios, and then I was reading what the book said. Um, so it's it, it's anywhere from eight to ten um, points, we'll say, on that that back end ratio that uh, that you just discussed. The FHA will allow you to get upwards to fifty percent of your your household debt and your monthly debt that you're obligated to pay on your credit report, not all the other debts that you pay that don't come up on your credit report. So they're allowing that to stretch upwards to 50%, where conventional is going to be closer to 40. Uh-huh. So that's a big difference. Sure. Sure. And, and, and <laughs> it's kind of scary to think about. It you is. know, we, we just came out of a, a bad housing bubble burst right? because of the leniency of loans. Right. Um, and then it, you know, like anything, if you let the loan, if the loan products are out there, you're going to get mortgage companies to sell those loan products because they're in the business to sell those. And then sometimes people that shouldn't be able to purchase a house buys one. They right. they buy one, and they were already stretched out, and the system let it happen. Yep. And in reality, they probably should have never been there. Right. And and that's the problem with. Sometimes giving too mu- it's like giving too much of a rope to hang yourself. True. And um, and, and when, I know when I, I I've talked with clients, I go I understand. Like here's your pre-approval number. You're saying like I am approved for four hundred thousand dollars. Are you really comfortable with that number? Like, can you really afford to live, go to, go eat on the weekends? Right. You know, have a life, and not have to work seven jobs to afford that number that they could get you at right or maybe should you be about 325 and that's huge and i wish more realtors had the same mindset that you do yeah i mean they get so caught up in in what that that max number is and uh something you and i have joked about in the past is we'll say if you want to find your max go to the weight room exactly don't make your max in your monthly mortgage payment no no it's just setting yourself up to fail yeah and and you know it's funny because um with my other company, THS, you know, we heavily push uh, wanting to do renovation loans, the the two hundred three k renos, like doing the construction on that, and I I see so much value there, but on the real estate end, being I've done the real estate end, right, it it's not sexy and fun to sell a home that could pe- potentially be worth five hundred grand for two hundred thousand. Right. I know because in your head, and most real estate agents, I don't care what anybody says. They're thinking the mortgage guy is going to get commission on a $500,000 close and I'm getting commission on a $250,000 close. And there's no fun of me doing this work for this client, really. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's simple math. So if I could find that cu- that customer, someone, a house that's worth five hundred grand, move in ready, now I'm making commission on five hundred grand instead of two fifty. And who cares about the renovation people? You know – so so I think they discourage a lot of people from going that route. I'm sure. I truly do because it's it's just math. It's you know, I even heard when I first went in, uh, got into real estate, people would say, you know, uh, there's agents that will look to see what's the commission offered. And that's how they'll stack the papers to what they show their clients. So if, if commission offered is 2% and then there's seven other homes that are 25 3%, they're showing those other homes first. And 
you know, what if if it's for those that are finance driven, it's a bad bad thing. You know, for me, it's always been let's find the right house for you. If that means it's a bank owned, it's a bank owned. If it's a, you know whatever, I don't care. You right. know what I mean? But so for buyers, you have to watch out. If that agent's attacking that max number, yeah, that that's a cue that maybe that might not be the right agent for you. I think it's the true. conversation always needs to be: Can you really afford the max number? Right. Because, like you said. FHA is very lenient on stuff, yep. so you can max out a lot quicker, a lot more, yep. and it's more appealing to say, "Oh, look, I could." Uh, uh, you know, people they have like this status thing about them, like you oh, know, yeah, keeping up with the Joneses. Listen, maybe I want the seven hundred thousand dollar home in whatever Homedale. I can't afford that, you know. So I live wherever, you know. There, and, and I think when people come to reality. And say, well, where's the best bang for my buck? Where can mm-hmm. I live? Right. You know, I have a small ranch in West Long Branch. I wanted to live there, but I couldn't afford a bigger home in town. So I have what I have. And that was the trade off. Yeah. You know, it, you have to know trade offs. You'd have to know your limits, mm-hmm. your real limits, not just yeah. the, the max that number that a, a mortgage guy could give you. Right. And that's where I think you could get into a lot of trouble is that maxed out number. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because like I was saying before, there are so many other debts that people are paying each month. And a few of them that come to my head are car insurance. Um, Depending on your driver record, how many vehicles you have in your family and stuff, I mean, that could be a decent amount of money each month that you're obligated to pay. Cable. Once you get in the house, you got to turn the lights on. Yeah. Gas, water. I mean, those are just little things. Well, Cell phones. Student loans. Now, student loans. they take that out of the ratio? What they did was... Um, there's a few different things that they did because kids, uh, I mean, we'll say maybe 10, 15 years back, it was they were pushing everybody to go to college. Yeah. Well, those kids graduated, got jobs, and were being turned down for homes because of what their monthly figure was. So what they did <clears throat> was the percentage of not how much money you owe but it was it's now more focused on what your monthly payment is back to the um student loan so they actually have helped those people with those big debts help them get into homes now where like i said before they were getting turned down a lot um i I had to turn somebody down they had like a 740 fico um they had their ducks in a row they had a good job but they were like just getting started with their job and stuff. So they were going to be, and they had their, their masters, but in order to get this new job, you need that education. Um, so she was just about to get a raise. I felt terrible. She ended up closing with somebody else. Thank goodness. But you know, I felt bad because I had to say no because of how much her monthly student loan debt was. Yeah. But you know, you don't have the income without the student loan. So yeah, it's, there's it's, a balance, you know. Yeah, exactly, like you feel bad in those those situations, you know. And, and it seems like that's an issue that's like a growing issue, yeah. in society. Um, you know, everyone's pushed and want. You know, so many people push or want their kids to go to college without a focus in anything. And um, I mean, many of my friends uh, now. I'm getting to the age where my friends have kids that are going to to college. Mm-hmm. And I ask, well, what's their focus? Like, why are you allowing them to go to a twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollar a year school when they have no focus at all? Why wouldn't you pay cash for a community college for two years? Let them get some focus. Oh yeah, go to a four year, 
and maybe do what they want to do. But why are you setting these kids up for for debt for decades? Yep. Um, and and then the other thing is is pretty much I don't even know. Like I guess the Gen X and whatever the one before that. You know, the, the big push was always to have their kids go to college. Right. And so many people fell off of the, the skills trade force. Mm-hmm. So now we have a trade gap, a skills yes, trade do. gap, where we need workers to do stuff that tech can never do. Tech nope. can't hang a door. Tech can't put on roof rafters. Tech can't, you know, fix your downspout. But so many people push their kids into school, and now tech is taking away their jobs. Yep. And we have a big skills gap. We have high student debt. And I think the government's trying to figure it all out, saying, well, how can we still get these people homes? You know, it, it, yeah. it's just such a big mess. It I mean, is. Thankfully, that they're doing something to help these, you know, For kids sure. with uh, high student loan debt. Uh, who knows where it's all going to lead, you know, down the road. It's scary as parents, honestly. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, I, And not every kid is a college kid either. Yeah. Not every kid. And that's fine. You know, my dad is a carpenter. He never went to college. He made a great life, you know, for him and his family. You know, he busted his tail, but, you know, back, what, 35 years ago, nobody was pushing, pushing, pushing him to go to college, you know? I mean, now you have a same kid who would would be just like my dad, but he's graduating high school in 2019. Are they pushing him to go to college? Probably. Yeah. You know? There's a... I know I'm going off on a tangent, but there's a guy that does, uh, he does like, um, I guess financing, like, uh, motivational stuff for contractors, whatever. But he, there was a breakdown of someone that came out of school and became a skilled tradesman to someone that went to school and got their masters and the whole nine yards. And the gap of time that that kid from high school till the person out of college met up in lifetime earnings was 25 years. Wow. So it took 25 years for that college-educated person to have the same lifetime earnings as a kid coming out of high school, becoming a helper, carpenter, tradesperson, never even owning a business, just being in the trades. That's a long time. And there's many of those people in those 25 years that open up in their own business. Yeah. And those numbers could even change. But that just shows you like lifetime earnings. That's what – you know, that's an unspoken thing that I think – you know, I know I'm going to have with my kids. I already told my wife. You know, they're both learning the trade. They have no choice, you know, because my whole life I've never been unemployed because I have skills with my hands. There you go. Something's always going to break and you always need someone to fix it. I'm there. There So I'm going to make sure they learn that. I want them to go to trade school for something licensed and then they could go to college. They could be whatever they want. Right. You know, but I know like attorneys that became painters because – that's what they wanted to do. They made great money doing it. Yeah, they're still they were licensed. They they kept up with their their credentials, but they did what they wanted to do. They have a trade that they loved. I think it's so important. And uh, I know we were going way off on the FHA, <laughs> but it's because you know yeah. the FHA thing, like them them doing stuff for these student loans. And yeah. I think uh, for anybody with kids coming up, you know, even though maybe you're not buying a house now, think about your kids down the road yeah. and what they might deal with get buying a house. And don't 
uh, just put your blinders onto it. Like, no. The choices you allow your kids to make now is going to affect them 10, 15 years from now when they're, they want their own family. And then you go, oh, I feel so bad. You can't have a house because of all this debt. Well, why didn't you lead me in the right direction? You told me not to do bad things, not to steal. But then you told me to sign the, the dotted line for 200 grand in student debt. You know, yeah. it's like, what the heck? I don't know. Like, that, that's <laughs> something that, that drives me nuts. When I, I, when I have my friends that, that they're like, yeah, my kid's going here. And I go, for what? I don't know. Like, F that. Community college, let them figure out if they want to be a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant, then they go for that. They specialize. But until then, I'm not paying 50 grand a year for them to party. It's true. Get it's an that. expensive party. Yeah, right? <laughs> go on Instagram and see what they're doing in Snapchat. <laughs> so, <laughs> so down payment. For mm-hmm. each. So you okay. said 3% mm-hmm. uh, conventional. Uh, typically, it's 5%, right? Mm-hmm. That's a little more flexible with your with your credit scores at the 5% mark. Yeah, those 3%, there's two different products. One's Fannie Mae, like I talked about before, and one's Freddie Mac. Home Possible is one of them. Home Ready is another. You need to fit the criteria of credit score, your income, and you have to be a first-time home buyer. Uh-huh. So if you own another house, you can't get the 3%. So it's got to be your first home. Okay. So there so are then some, on the second home, yeah. you can do a 5%. Just yep, say. you can do 5%. As long as you're selling that other house. Yep. Okay. Um, if you put, say, 20% down, you no longer have to worry about the mortgage insurance. No mortgage insurance, so which you, is a big thing. Yeah. You know, and... Saves you thousands. Right. And then... When you're close to that 20%, but not quite there, there are ways to even buy out the mortgage insurance in your rate, which can be a whole nother topic. And like we discussed where you kind of have to see it. Now, if, if you look at it and, and we'll just say um, four and three quarters would be the rate with 15% down, but you'd have to pay mortgage insurance. By increasing that rate to say... Still a little below five, maybe like four and seven eighths. You buy out the mortgage insurance. You have a slightly higher rate, so your payment's going to go up slightly based off the rate. But it would be less than if you had four and three quarters and mortgage insurance. So I've I've done those instances, and the clients love that because I'm like, all right, listen, here's your payment. Here's your rate. Here's your payment. Here's your rate buying out the mortgage insurance. Show them. They see both of them. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm going to go with that one. And you almost feel better from my end knowing that that person isn't just throwing however much it is into mortgage insurance each month. Yeah, definitely. And and that's the difference when choosing an online platform or a person. You know, Mm -hmm. the online platform is going to just shoot you numbers and you figure it out where people like you are able to sit down and say, here's scenarios Choose whatever one you want, but you can see how this is better, more you know, beneficial than this other one, and that is something that you know I don't. I think analytics, uh, technology, they can't take away that part of it. I mean, maybe one day, you know, artificial intelligence can. You never know. You have this virtual person talking <laughs> to you. You know, who knows? But you know, I think that's what's most important about finding someone that's looking out for your best interest, absolutely, and not just uh, making points on the deal. Now. There's a difference. There's PMI and MPI. Mm-hmm. For those that don't understand the two, wh- what are the differences between the two? Um, one of them is like a third party 
like brokered out insurance and the other one is just paid directly to the insurer. So it would be PMI or MIP, mortgage insurance premium. Um, I don't really know the, the, the big differences between the two. Um, now, MIP is with FHA, right? Mortgage insurance premium. Yeah. yeah. It's with the FHA. The, and, and then, then the PMI, PMI is with conventional products. Yeah. Private mortgage insurance. That's the okay. one that's like brokered out. The other one is built in. Okay. And, and, like we uh, went over, FHA, it never goes away. Conventional, it does at 20%. Yep. Um, either as it's set up already or if the market goes good and you could get out even earlier. Yep. All right, awesome. Most likely in those instances, you're going to maybe look to refi at that point. Instead of just, you know, dropping your mortgage insurance, especially if it's going to be for the life of the loan, so maybe it's five years from when you just bought the house, you're still paying mortgage insurance, but your value's gone up a little bit. Maybe you look into a 25-year amortization schedule where your payment may actually drop because you're not paying that mortgage insurance anymore. So your rate might go up slightly, but your payment might go down. Yeah. You know, so that's another thing you kind of have to look at it, look at the numbers, see what works for you. Yeah, definitely. That's why having somebody there... Like there's so many scenarios being a homeowner and having such a large loan yeah. that you need someone that you could constantly bounce like, hey, this is where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and it could go from maybe right now you're buying a house to maybe you're doing a cash out refi in five years. Yep. Maybe you're gonna do a two oh three K refi or home style refi because you wanna renovate your home now and now right. you're making more money. You could be approved for more. Um you know, there, there's just so many things that go on uh, in life and in the process that sure. I think you have to have someone there that you could constantly bounce your finances off of. Oh, yeah. And uh, it, it is so important. Um, so just to recap, low, low credit score, you're definitely going to end up in that FHA area. Mm-hmm. If you are looking to, like, build your credit up um, – what have you noticed like over time before maybe someone could go from an FHA to a conventional? Like what's the timeline? If they're doing their, what they're, they have to do, maybe they, they're going to see a credit specialist right. or something. Um, you know, if you're going from the mid fives to the mid sixes, are mm-hmm. we talking about maybe wearing, having that year out plan? Something like that? You know, it's really circumstantial depending on why your scores are that low. But, you know, the first thing is going to be, like you said, speak to a credit specialist. They can really help, and I could even help, you know, just from running people's credit reports and just seeing these things over time. I'm so much more knowledgeable now about credit reports than I ever were. And to get back to where we kind of were before with education and stuff, when, when we were growing up, has anybody ever told us about anything to do with a credit card, where the balances should be? So in some instances there, um, people have some debts from when they were younger that maybe went into collections or something, you know, something like that may take a little bit of time, have it removed, um, you know, different judgments, different things like that, that are kind of been holding them back for years. And it happened a while back. Um, or what can be a little quicker is somebody who maybe their scores have gone down because their credit balances have gone up. And that's really the biggest factor in your credit score is determined by 
how much cre- how much available credit do you have out there and how how high are those balances so i've heard different numbers on where to keep it and it's hard you know the holidays come up different yeah. things happen day to day life you know all right do i use my debit card or do i just swipe this thing and worry about it later exactly. you know but where you're keeping those balances is really going to help determine how quickly your scores can improve um so it's definitely circumstantial so but what have you heard about it. that like that number 30% something like that yeah, I mean, I've I heard like below sixty at some points, and then I keep hearing lower and lower. Um, but the lower and lower stuff, it's like, all right, so you move into the house, you get the house, and then yeah. your debts are a little higher. You know, you know, you got that credit card sitting there, and you know, you well, know, you just want to just swipe it. Listen, everybody so does. Much it. easier. Yeah, I tell everybody, don't buy a thing <clears throat> until you buy the house. Right. And then I, I mean, me and personally, then, I don't care. I know. You know, that's where the Home Depot, Value City Furniture, they all get blown up. Everything gets blown up. After I know. That, you know. It does. It happened to me. It um, happens to everyone. It, I mean, yeah. it's, it's like being on a diet, you know, and yeah. then they finally said like, like yeah, a bodybuilder. Yeah, you know, <laughs> bodybuilder, they worked all the way to show day and oh, then they man. leave there and go right to the pizzeria and they're just, they're, they're chomping down because yeah. you've been so good for so long. Exactly. And it really hasn't been that long. It's been 45 days. It seems like forever though. <laughs> oh, that, that My wife and days. I, I felt like we were eating cup of noodles and ramen noodles like every night. Like she was so diligent where like we weren't really going out much. We weren't really doing much much we were so focused on our credit score and saving our money once we moved in the door those conversations stopped completely we haven't talked about it since i know know? it's it's insane but um (laughs) but yeah to get back to what you were saying you know i've heard like below 60 percent, and then some of the other lower numbers aren't necessarily as realistic. I don't feel confident telling somebody, keep your credit card at 20%. Because I don't know what's going to happen. Things happen. You have that for a reason. If the money's there, I don't want them to not use their card and, you know, be strapped financially that next month or something because they just pull money out of their, you know, their own checking account. But if you can keep it like right around that 50% mark or lower, it's going to help. And then, you know, a, a, a good way to just monitor what's going on would be something like Credit Karma, just to keep you educated. The numbers aren't necessarily going to be spot on for what Credit Karma says your score is and what a full poll says your score is, but at least you can kind of hone in on what your monthly debts are, and even bigger than that, what percentage are your credit card balances at? Because uh-huh. they always show you that. It always comes up, you know? So, all right, if you see one's a little higher than the other, start chipping away at that one. Yeah. And it will make a world of difference. Definitely. Yeah, I mean... It- and then you have, I mean, when you go into credit, you have the Dave Ramsey School of Thought, which is cash everything. No one yeah. needs credit. Um, I don't know. I think in life you need credit yeah. because you never know, you know, something comes up with your kids, you know, dental stuff. I mean, anything could happen where right. – Medical you're, bills. Yeah, and- you're like, man, I'm glad I had credit where I could just pay this off in however much because I didn't have 20 Gs sitting If you're around. paying cash for everything, you're not really going to have – much, uh, much what they call trade lines, yeah, and, and and that's what the bureaus are looking for. How long has, like you know, the biggest thing aside from where you're keeping your balances is, how long have you had, you know, these credit cards? Like I, I got a credit card in college, I still have it because it's my longest trade line. If I pay that thing off completely, 
and now it's no longer coming up on my report, it almost does a disservice to my scores because now I have less trade lines. Now, There's a balance. Now what uh, – okay, so I'm going to – I'm trying to keep this in line with what my head's thinking. Okay. But um, so there's broke mortgage brokers mm-hmm. and then there's – Mortgage companies that underwrite all their own stuff, right? Yeah. There's two different products. There's two different there. Um, what are the differences there? And then I want to lead back to the people that – I mean Dave Ramsey is huge in helping people get out of debt. Mm-hmm. Um, like the debt snowball, Dave Ramsey, Financial Peace University, big thing of Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey has a huge following and he's all about cash, cash, cash. I think there's a balance there. Mm-hmm. Um but what debt is really good debt? I mean, sure. there's really no good debt. <laughs> Anytime right. you're paying someone more money, I mean, it's better off in your pocket. Yeah. But anyway, mm-hmm. so going to okay, so what's the difference between like someone like that's a broker, okay, or a direct underwriter? Okay, um, the, the the biggest thing is the difference would be a mortgage broker or a mortgage banker. Okay, I'll start with broker because that's the the avenue that I work in and we have access to a lot of different wholesale lenders where I don't know much on the banking aspect because all of my experience is through a brokerage, which I really like because I can really see like which, not only which product is, is right for each individual, but where to take them. Cause these big wholesale lenders that we work with, some of them have great FHA, some of them have great conventional, some of them have great jumbo, some of them have great adjustable rate mortgages, which I have no experience in, but they have them, you know? So having access to basically where I could take an individual basically to any of these lenders and we're going to be able to compete with, you know, the other banks. Now the mortgage bankers, um, they're kind of keeping, they're keeping everything in house, Um, I don't know the ins and outs of where their rates are and different things. I know that we have some flexibility when it comes to rates because we're getting our rates directly from wholesale, which anytime you're getting something on wholesale, it's going to be a little less, you know? Um, so that's kind of where my experience is. That's really the biggest difference is that we're brokering everything out. Um, keeping it in house seems intriguing to me because sometimes our underwriters, are calling me from like a number I don't even recognize. <laughs> yeah. And then like the lady has an accent, yeah. like the time is different, you know, like we're in Jersey. Yeah. This is like, the, this is the most stressed out state for a reason. <laughs> like go, go, go. We need it now. Why are you so you know? calm? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I don't need to be hearing somebody's accent from Tennessee yeah, yeah. all calm. Like, <laughs> well, Mr. Riley, maybe we'll get it today. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. We're in New Jersey. We need this yesterday, yeah. you know? Um, but brokers have, like yeah. you said, uh, a, wide variety of flexibility and products yeah. where I think a banker, yeah, whatever products they're offering. Like I, I know someone from PNC Bank right. and I said, uh, you guys were talking about home uh, 203K stuff like two years ago. Oh, we're, it's still, it's on the works. Like they could only offer what they could offer and then right. that's it. Right. Um, now for those people that are turning to cash, mm-hmm. obviously when you pull up some of their credit, they have no credit. Right. They also have no debt. Right. They have no. They have nothing. 
Sometimes those uh, people. Uh, I'm sorry to cut you short. Yeah, you can finish it. No, but it, so um, I've listened to Dave Ramsey for a while, and I know that he sponsors some banks that understand that process, and right. they base it off of your income, your expenses each month. But like, there's nothing else there because you're cash based. Right. So, what do you do with those people that are straight up cash? I mean, there's people that aren't millionaires that are cash based they exactly. just know how to live within their means they, exactly they make 500 they spend 350 and then that's it they got they got cash in the bank they don't need a credit card yeah. they don't need anything they buy their cars out cash um so what do you do with people like that like where do they fall because now they don't have four hundred thousand dollars cash right but they also don't have a 700 or 800 credit score because they never had debt to make a credit score exactly um it, it really depends on on what what comes up on that report? Sometimes people's score is like you're like there is no score. It's like what do you mean there's no score? Well, there's no trade lines. There's never been an on time payment. And there's never been a late payment. Yeah. So what we try to do is have them just start up a trade line, start something up, pay it on time, keep your balances low. I'm not telling you to go all in on this thing. I mean, secured debt would, would be the biggest thing. Sometimes the spouse has had a credit card in years past. You can make them an authorized user. Now they kind of piggyback on that credit history, and now that's their credit. Um, but when it comes to obtaining a mortgage, you really kind of need some sort of credit credit score, yeah. something tangible to show that bank that's giving you X amount of, not giving you X, you're paying it back, but, you know, providing you with X amount of dollars at closing, um, you need some sort of tangible score. So I, I guess the most confident thing would be start up a trade line, some yeah. sort of trade line, secure debt, where at least now you could show that you're making on-time payments. And now maybe six months from now, you'll have a score. It'll Your score will be great at that point because you have nothing holding you back. Um so I'm kind of so taking it from there. For those listening, what's the difference between secured debt and unsecured debt? Um, secured debt is basically um, depending on whether it's the type of card, the type of bank. There's going to be a lot of credit cards out there that um, have really high interest rates. I mean, it's still a credit card, but um, there's nothing really backing it. Uh-huh. So secured, I would say, would be start with like a bank credit card. Uh-huh. Probably the bank be the of best America bet. credit card. Yeah, Capital One Capital has One. them. Um, Slate, uh, PNC. I mean, there's so many different ones that you can get like through a bank opposed to going through like just a third party you know, uh-huh. where there's nothing really backing it. Those don't really help your scores. Okay. Getting, you know, whether it's a store or, you know, something different like that. Like, get it. Just walk into the bank, get yourself a secured card, uh-huh. and take it from there. Okay. So that's where people need to be. Mm-hmm. All right. So a couple things before we wrap up. What are some of the fees involved in uh, the process? So what, what what are some fees that's that, that people are going to see uh, on the mortgage end mm-hmm. um, as far as what they're going to pay, like uh, application fees, stuff like that? Now, a lot of that stuff is is circumstantial in a sense of, okay, so there's going to be like an application fee, commitment fee. Different fees can be waived, but again, you have to see it because – Sometimes people are like, oh, well, the commitment fee is like, you know, $800. Okay, you can waive that, but it still needs to be paid. So now it's being paid in your rate. Yeah. You know, so you're almost better off paying the 800 
you know, and moving forward. Um, we deal with, like I said, a bunch of different wholesale lenders. So we don't really have many fees that are associated. It's funny because when people get their CD or closing disclosure at the end, there's all these fees on there. Yeah. And like the only thing that like you're paying would be like the commitment fee, which is like $800, you know? So I'm sitting there fielding these conversations about all these different things that I have no control over yeah. title, um, homeowners Surveying, insurance, survey, yeah. yeah, like all these things. And people are coming to me like, oh, I didn't know it was going to be this, you know, this expensive, blah, blah, blah. So I try to overestimate the whole way through. And then, okay, so you're comfortable with this? It might be like 12 grand in closing costs. Okay, okay. And then they get the CD and it's like 10,000. Yeah. They're like, oh, thank goodness. Opposed to me being like, oh, yeah, you know, it's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. It'll be about 10. And then they get to closing, it's 12, and I look like a jerk. Yeah. Um, well, let's, so. let's just hit that mm-hmm. real quick. Closing cost. Okay. I think most people, they, they have this big misconception that they brought the down payment of 3%. Right. And then you hit them with, I don't know, I, I yeah. whatever we figure, you know. Say title. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. It, it's $10,000 in closing costs. Right. They go, well. My down payment was fifteen grand. Right now, you want ten thousand. I don't have twenty. Like, what? Why yeah. do I need twenty five? I I told you I was putting three percent down. Right. I think that is also another conversation that hopefully enough of these the mortgage and you know you guys are you guys are dealing with those numbers more than the agent. I always tell my clients. Make sure you talk to your mortgage person about closing costs. Like that's a big thing. If you don't have that money to close, we're not closing. Not like, closing. Like you have your down payment and then you have closing costs. Yes. And they're not the same. Yep. Usually what I'll say is closing costs are anywhere from three to five percent of the purchase price. So now you're coming to the table with your three percent down, and now you're coming also coming to the table with your closing costs. Some of those closing costs though are paid throughout the process. Like they're going to call the appraisal a closing cost, but you're going to have to pay for that appraisal before it gets done out of your pocket. And then by the time you get to the closing table, it'll be reduced by how much that costs. Same thing's going to happen with your homeowner's insurance. Just like a house, uh, just like a car needs insurance, so does a house. A lot of those companies are going to ask for that first year up front. That's going to be about $1,000. That'll be reduced, depending on, again, the the loan amount um by me saying a thousand it was just basically based off of maybe like a three hundred thousand dollar home yeah um as the home gets bigger that amount gets bigger but if you pay that that money beforehand now that thousand dollars is essentially going to be reduced from what you owe at closing um title you know the attorney he's going to cost some money um and then also some some of those closing costs are actually going to kind of make it a little easier for you to breathe once you walk in the door because you're paying for escrows and sometimes you're showing up to closing with maybe a quarter of the year worth of your taxes um depending on the time of the month that you close your first mortgage payment may not be until two months after you close yeah so Another thing, circumstantially, do you want to do you want to come to the table with say two thousand more at closing and not make a mortgage payment for another month, or do you want to be a little less at closing and your mortgage payment's going to be due, you know, thirty days after you move in? Yeah, you know, so that's another thing you can kind of see it, and 
you know, people are like, all right, well, I was able to have some money gifted to me from my parents. So I kind of feel a little more comfortable just showing up um, with those escrows, um, showing up at the table and then, you know, getting used to now living in this new home and maybe having my first payment due two months opposed to that next month. So yeah, another thing circumstantial. There's so many, so many costs in those closing costs that people just don't understand. The big thing, especially in New Jersey, is the taxes. Yes. You know, your, your property tax is huge in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. So between property tax, title insurance, the and the attorney right there. That, You're talking that, a few grand right that's, there. That's quite a few thousand dollars, right? That's probably two or the 3% right there. Right. You go through, you could add up really quick with mm-hmm. those numbers. Um, and sometimes you could offset some of those numbers with uh, um, credits and and seller concessions or whatever. If, For sure. Yeah. I mean, if, the, if, if there's enough equity in the house and you can do it. Right. Uh, it doesn't always happen. But right. You know, there's so many things that you can do. It, are, are there any programs that could actually help with the down payment for people yeah. that are looking for down payment help? Yeah, I've never done one of those, but there are um, out there like down payment assistance to where you're basically financing you're, you're basically financing 100%, um, which, can, which can be a little risky, but, you know, I still think it's probably more beneficial to finance 100% like that than pay a landlord. Yeah. Right. I mean, if if you have the credit score and and you can you can basically own without really coming to the table with much. Uh, yeah, there there definitely are down payment assistance. Uh, like I said, I don't know much about them. But okay, I didn't know if they were based on income and credit score and stuff like that. I'm I'm sure they are. Yeah, I'm sure they are. But you know, it's just a little risky. It, it's a little risky to me, as far as like where's where's the value going to go? Because yeah. if you're if, if you're walking in the door with no down payment. You need that value to work in your favor. Yeah. You know, you don't want it. It's a big risk if it goes the, the other insurance. way. You know, you know? It is. but it's, it's also it's a hard sell for the agent too to say I'm to sure. somebody like, "Hey, listen, you know, my my person's coming down with no money." Yeah, and uh, yep, we want this house. <laughs> you like, know, yeah. people. Even though I tell everybody at the closing, you're getting your cash no matter what. It doesn't matter if they're three percent, five percent, twenty percent. It's the same True. check at the end is coming into your pocket. Mm-hmm. So it, you just hope that the buyer is solid, right? And you know, as a selling agent, you do your due diligence and you as much as you can. Mm-hmm. But you pretty much, if the mortgage company says okay, everyone's saying okay. You're like, all right, I guess it is what it is. You yeah. Know? But because um, you could have a twenty percent buyer that could be a you know. A crappy buyer, just because For they have sure. more money in the bank or someone's giving them money, does that, that yeah. doesn't make them a better buyer? Definitely not, and so. it doesn't mean that things didn't happen financially for them prior to that. Exactly, you know, I, because you have the twenty percent doesn't mean you have a great credit score. Yeah, I had people, you know, in rentals come in and say, "I'll pay the whole year up front, but yeah. I have a five hundred credit score." Yeah, I would uh, be like, "Okay, yeah. why don't you? Why don't you?" hone down on that score see what's really holding you i think a lot of people are afraid of it almost you know it's just like anything else you kind of just have to learn it over time but have you ever seen that commercial where the lady gets her credit score like tattooed on? oh yeah you know like there's nothing permanent about it and the bureaus have gotten much more willing to again there is a balance you don't want to just keep opening 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 because then now you know you're going to be in a lot of debt but the, they're going to be much 
easier to, okay, you owe $700 on this thing from Best Buy six years ago. Just give me three fifty. Yeah. We'll call it even. And then now at least it's paid. They're paid. It's off. You're not, you know, yeah, move forward. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Move forward. Exactly. Don't let those scores hold you back. If, yeah. if you look at it, figure out, it, it can be overwhelming, but if you look at it, figure out what in particular is holding you back, just chip away at those things one at a time, yeah. you know? And you, and you recommend using a credit repair specialist if you're uh, pretty far off? Like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, sometimes the repair isn't necessarily needed. You know, maybe they don't have many trade lines. Maybe, you know, their credit card balances are a little high. So that's kind of, you can coach them through it and, and we could see some pretty good results. We have um, what's called a credit analyzer where if I run your credit right now, I could see the last page is going to tell me exactly how to coach you through it. Uh -huh. So it'll say, okay, if Mike pays down his card a little bit, he can get 35 points by that. So I'll say, all right, Mike, listen, um, take like $300, pay this card down a little bit, and we can get your scores increased, you know, 35 points. Yeah. Sometimes it's not my field, so I don't want to... Stay you know, take on that yeah, yeah, stay in your lane. Yeah. I don't want to take that responsibility. Somebody's got like a low fives, and now I'm telling them to do a few things, and now six months come, they're still low fives. Yeah. Meanwhile, this guy's doing it day in and day out. Give him a call. You know, I, I don't think they're they're all that expensive. Yeah, and I'm not too sure. you know, even if they are a little pricey, it's an investment for you. Yeah. You know, you're honing down on that score. It's gonna really open things up for you. Absolutely, I agree with you 100. Yeah. You know. Sometimes you run into people that don't stay in their lane and they just give you advice just for giving advice. And yeah. I mean, that that's how I got into real estate is people not staying in their lane. Yeah. And, uh, but it is what it is. Hopefully you have some other people in your sphere that could help you determine if that advice is good advice, you know. For and sure. If you're that far off, you know. Talk to a couple of different credit repair people. Just don't yeah. jump in bed with one. You know, talk to a couple, see what they say. Uh, you know, there's sharks in every field, so Absolutely. you want to make sure that you don't go with someone for six months, have the same exact result six months later, and say, "Well, I've been working with this guy for six months." Well, I mean, yeah. you should show s some type of result if you're doing your part too. That's Everyone's got to do their part. That's the thing. You I've can't had say conversations. that. Yeah. yeah. I've had conversations with people where they're like, oh, you know, I spoke with so-and-so and my score's still the same. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, did you like act on the things that you guys spoke about? Yeah. Oh, you know, like one or two of them, but you, you know, I'm like, all right, well. You got to do all of them. Well, I, I mean, yeah. like that's the guy's job. He's telling you what to do. Yeah. Take his advice. Exactly. You know? Some people just hear what they want to hear, though. Uh, that's everybody. You know, it happens. That's in every field. It is. You know, weight loss, mortgages, everything. Right? Like, like, you can say, well, I ate good for three days. I, but, like, you're full of it. I saw you <laughs> post pictures of pizza. You know what I mean? You know, it's like either you do it or, you, or you're not going to get the results. If you have 10 Michelob Ultras, yeah, it's exactly. still like 1,000 calories, whether, <laughs> no matter how you slice it. I mean, yeah. it's a low-calorie beer, but if you have 10, they're going to add up. Exactly. <laughs> you're 100% right. So what are some questions uh, that you could think of that people should ask potential mortgage pros? Um, the, I think the, the biggest question would really be, um, the the size of everything that we're talking here, the, the purchase price, the down payment, the loan amount, um, just like we were saying earlier, 
all because all because that max shows a certain certain number. Um, I, I, I worked with a, a teacher client in the past and she had a whole spreadsheet broken down on all of her monthly debts and that included daycare, which was like a thousand dollars. Like I said, car insurance. I mean, she added in all of these things that she pays for each month and I'm sitting here looking at it like, wow, you know, like on paper they can go upwards to 500,000. They ended up in like the 400,000 range. Yeah. That's a big difference. Sure. And had I not seen all those debts or had she not done her homework or if we didn't have as many conversations as we did, um, maybe they would have ended up in a, a bigger house and you're not going to pull your kid out of daycare. Yeah, stress. You know, out that's like, not going to be the yeah. first thing that, that you cut out. You can't. You know, you can't. Um, so I, I think it, I think it's, uh, again, circumstantial, but I think it really depends on the couple, um, the lifestyle that they live outside of this home. Sometimes I'll see previous clients on social media and stuff and different things that they're doing. And I like that they're going out and doing different things. Yeah. If I don't see pictures of anybody, they're not doing anything. That means they're like staying in the basement, which is great. You're enjoying your house. But yeah. like, are you enjoying anything else in life outside of your house? Yeah, no. um, so I think it's really kind of just getting to know um, that individual and the lifestyle that they like to live. Some people are just a little more frugal than others. Some people just, you know, don't like to go out and spend their money on certain things. Some people... Some people do, you know, and that's fine too. Yeah. You know, there's going to be a house for everybody. But if you are that person that does like to go out and live a certain type of lifestyle, maybe the ranch is better off yeah. for you. Maybe you're not better off in that huge square footage. You know, your taxes are going to be higher, all that other thing. And that's another thing too. When, when you walk in, your taxes aren't necessarily going to go down. And we have a lot yeah. of, a lot of conversations with people who will buy a house relatively low, do some work on the house an appraiser comes gets assessed and then the very next month they're saying oh lucky you your taxes just went up yeah so you need to be ready for that it's and, that's, not gonna, and that's another thing i forgot yeah. to touch upon is when figuring out you know what you're approved for mm-hmm. the taxes have a large especially in a place like new, Jer- like new jersey um where our taxes are incredibly high yeah just because you're approved for 400 yep Maybe if it's four hundred with six thousand dollars in exactly. taxes, that's one thing. But if it's four hundred with ten thousand, exactly. Now you're not at four hundred anymore. So if you're in a town that has a super high tax rate, right? Your your approval is it's different. Exactly. Yeah. And there's been instances where I've reduced the approval number based off of those higher taxes. My wife and I live in Howell, but we were shopping in Wall, so our price range in Wall was about 50000 lower than what our price range ultimately ended up being in the part of Howell that we live in. Yeah. Because what we were getting, because I told her, I said, we're either stretching on one or the other. We're not stretching on both. We could stretch on the purchase price a little bit. We could stretch on the taxes a little bit. But we're not doing both of those on the same house. Yeah. So we saw one house in Howell. It was a stretch on our pur- purchase price. It was a stretch on our taxes. We're like, we, we can't do it. We're not doing it. This is not our, this isn't the one for us. Yeah. It's a beautiful house for somebody else. Not a beautiful house for us. Yeah. So taxes, taxes probably make one of the biggest differences on what that monthly payment is sure. because you could have a great rate. So your principal and interest payment won't be all that high, but those taxes aren't going anywhere. They're due quarterly. It's going to be the same amount. They're probably going to increase. 
They're always going to increase. You know, especially if you keep putting putting money and different repairs into your house and stuff, the value is going to go up. And yeah. as the value goes up, so do the taxes, unfortunately. Absolutely. But, well, I mean, we could talk forever about this, and yeah. I appreciate you dropping all this great information. Uh, before we uh, wrap up, I'd like to learn a little bit more about your little Quattro Fire. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a few questions. What's your favorite book? Oh, man, favorite book. You put me on the spot. Um, I read a book about Iowa wrestling years ago, and um, I forgot what it was called, but it really completely shifted my mind and, like, changed everything for me. Uh, My buddy told me to read it, and um, I was in college when I read it, and I forgot the name of it, but... um, it, it really it, it changed everything. It was yeah. like, wow, okay. If I want something, I need to go get it. Yeah. No one's going to hand it to me. Exactly. And that was basically the moral of the story. It was a kid who um, was going for his fourth um, state title, and it, was, it just kind of broke down his stuff um, as far as what was going on in his life and more kind of like life, life, life lessons that he was learning. Yeah. And I was in college at the time. I was learning those same life lessons, but in the moment I didn't realize, but as I was reading, I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. You know, it's trying it's to spotlight it. It did. All of it. Yeah. Exactly. Like it's amazing how one book, like for me, it's, it's uh, Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. Um, that was like a big mental pivot for me. And, uh, and I'm, I listen to a lot of audiobooks because I'm running – running around like crazy yeah. and it seems like if i have 10 minutes to actually read i fall asleep <laughs> but i'm listening to the uh the the damon john uh newest book uh i think it's rise and grind and nice. he read think and grow rich at 16 years old oh wow and i'm like if i would have read that book at 16 years old i don't even know where oh i would be right gosh, now right. but it just shows how some people even at that age i mean i wasn't even introduced to this book until i was in my 30s but right. like it was amazing that he was introduced to that book, which once I was introduced to that book, I was and then introduced to Dale Carnegie and everybody else that was that actually is the foundation of motivational everything now. Everything that you hear now, they said almost ninety years ago. Whatever, wow. it, it's yep. insane. You know, it's the nineteen twenties, and what their what their foundation is what Gary V. Tim Ferriss, everybody that all you all still look, applies today. It all everything goes back to then. Good, but um, it's amazing how it's one book could just shift your shift your whole mindset. What's your favorite show? Um, favorite show, I the last show that I watched consistently was Sons of Anarchy. My wife and I were watching American Horror Story, but that got to be too much. I would have to say all time favorite show would be The Office. Yeah, yeah, awesome. What's your favorite quote? Favorite quote, don't talk about it, be about it. That's an awesome quote. And what's your favorite piece of advice? Now, I know you're, you coach mm-hmm. wrestling, so coaches have tons of advice. Right. You know, so what's, what's your favorite piece of advice that you notice yourself saying over and over again? person in the mirror is going to make the biggest difference in your life. And... And that's it. A lot of people want to point the finger at other people or basically make excuses for how their life is going. Michael Jackson said it best, man in the mirror. And it's 100% right. I mean, you have, you have some things going on. You look yourself in the mirror and you could, you could figure out, you know, are you doing something wrong? Are there other things that you can be doing to change? So it's probably the biggest thing. Yeah. I think that's I, – I was – uh, I played baseball when I was a kid, but I was never as big into sports as I am now with my son coaching him mm-hmm. and being around it. But one thing that I, I got to say, like sports, 
if you're if you're honest about what the sport is, it's it's that it teaches him at a young age. You are what you put into it. True. There's nobody gonna give you. I mean, even though everyone gets a trophy, right? Um, but really, like this year, they were undefeated in flag football because they all did good. Yep. You know, they all worked hard. They all worked hard. They listened to the coaches. Yep. So there's no way around that. You are what you put into it. Exactly. And, I mean, you see it with your kids. Yep. That are, and that you're coaching. Yep. Like, there's no way around that. Like you nope. can't fake it. Exactly. You can you make get excuses out you put all in. day. I got I got friends that talk about every reason why they're not doing they can't, well, or they won't, or oh, they didn't. Now nah, this is going on, and then that happened, and then this happened, and I'm like, Dude, like if you want it, make it happen. Yep. Exactly. If you want to make it happen, I like that. Yep. So where can people find you? Give all your information out. People can find me either. I mean, a bulk of my clients is via text. Like there's been many times where people have closed and I never even saw them face to face. So for me, that's probably the most beneficial, the easiest way to get in touch with me. Um, or you can just go to my Facebook, which is Peter Riley. Um, you could direct message me there. You could direct message me on Instagram, Twitter. Um, you probably What's know my stuff number? better than me. Cell phone is 732 Nine six six four eight seven six, and it's Peter Riley MTGS on Instagram. Yep, or email at pryley at patriotmtgs.com. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much thank for coming so on much, the show. I appreciate Mike. all that great information. Appreciate it, man. And I would like to thank everyone for listening to the show. My name is Mikey T. Michael Anthony Timpani, as my mama named me. You can follow the show on Instagram and Facebook at First Timers Podcast Show. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at The Home Advisor Pro and follow my two companies at THS Home Advisors and at FTJ Builders Inc. celebrating 20 years this year. Super proud of that. A link to all the websites can be found on our social sites. Please leave a review on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play. Share and subscribe to our weekly podcast show. Message us with any questions or subjects you would like to hear about. And if you're a professional that could bring some value to the show, please reach out and contact me. Together we can learn and grow. I'd like to end with a quote. This is pretty much... Right now, my favorite motivational author, speaker, everything, Les Brown. I've listened to his audiobooks like countless hours, but I love this. No matter how bad it is or how bad it gets, I'm going to make it. God bless everybody and have an amazing week. <laughs>